Hello, 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 and welcome to Tease Me. This is a podcast about the intersection of golf, business, and life. And occasionally we'll drop some gems on networking and just how that makes your life better. Because knowing more than one person is actually a good thing. Hello, 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 Tease Me listeners. Welcome to season three. And now we have a special guest and a different way that we're going to pivot the show, introducing Darius. So let's kick it off to Darius. He is taking control of the first episode of Tease Me for season three. Thank you, Latoya. First of all, congratulations on season three, because I remember when this was a baby uh, and you were thinking about doing this. So this is, I'm so proud of you to be on season three. So that's extraordinary in itself. You were literally running the Tease Me podcast. And truth be told, everyone listening, Darius was the inspiration to really get me off of my, um, my behind and actually start the podcast. I had a few ideas and a few iterations, but I was struggling to just get it started. And so in defining my voice and finding just the way in which to, to express this, he was uh, very helpful. So I'm handing it over to him so that he can interview me for Tease Me because this season is all about entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurship, and people that are really looking to establish themselves and kind of share how we did it and what we're doing. So I guess we'll start there, Latoya. So why was it so important for you to start this podcast? That's a, that's a great question and a good place to start. Um, it was important because I wanted to tell the stories of the people that aren't often in the, in the media. Like when I'm playing golf, I meet some amazing people with just amazing stories. And I feel like that doesn't get highlighted enough. I think in you know, social media land and in the media in general, there's a celebration of a certain individual, but there are average individuals that are doing amazing things. And you know, I, I say that over and over again, because the quality and the caliber of people that I've golfed with, they're not people I would have met on the street. They're not people I would have met at work. And I feel fortunate and blessed to have been put into the same space with these individuals. And so I thought, why not highlight them? Why not archive the stories of amazing people? Because everything that we record will last in perpetuity. So why not capture and create our own narrative, create the stories of people that are doing amazing things and glorify them? Wow. And how do you feel when LaToya is on the green? Is that how you say the green? Like when you're out there and you're swinging? So firstly, when I'm on the greens, I am LJ. So I have a whole persona. If Beyonce can be Sasha Fierce, I am totally LJ. I am out there kicking behind. But when I'm there, I feel like serenity and peace. Um, I don't think that, you know, when people start the game, they're not looking necessarily for that. They're looking to like get involved or they want to like make friends or build um, their business or close deals. But when you get out there, you realize that there is, nothing but God's creation and it's the sky and the grass and you're there and you're one with nature. So I really feel at peace and I'm always just refreshed and renewed when I, when I get on the green. And how'd you build the confidence? I mean, because, you know, I, golf can be kind of intimidating. So how did you build the confidence as a player and get comfortable out there playing and created this, like you said, this, this all tight, this, um, this, you know, created LJ, you know, this, what do you call it? Uh, persona. Okay. I mean, my persona. Alter, yeah. my alter ego. Your alter ego. Yeah. How did you, 
how did you feel comfortable and, and, and create ease with the game and get comfortable with the game? How did that start? You know, honestly, I don't think you're ever truly comfortable in a game. There are always these moments of uncertainty. And that's really where like being able to become more self-aware and mindset comes into play. But it was a it was a journey. It was a long time coming. I think that some of the confidence I had already developed from working in technology and finance and really being the only woman of color in many spaces. So that was not a new experience. And for anyone that hasn't had that, um, I think that for golf, it, golf makes that challenging, right? But you go into the space, it's a lot of white men and you have to kind of just hold your own. And there's an expectation that, you know, you're not gonna perform well, or the question is, did you play in college? Or, you know, are you still in college? Um, but to build up the confidence is just knowing oneself and kind of understanding what I can do, what I can't do, and being honest about that for myself. And just knowing that this is all in a greater scheme and a greater plan. So that I feel like those are the things that helped me build up the confidence, practice, um, meeting people that played and surrounding myself with people that were playing better than me, and then just kind of growing in the game and really building up the knowledge around what is it that I'm trying to do out here? I'm trying to play 18 holes and keep the same ball? Or am I just out here having a good time? What does that look like? And I think knowing your goal and knowing like who you are in that goal helped me build my confidence. And okay, this is a new year. We're in 2022. Wow, just letting that roll off your tongue. Wow, 2022. If someone's looking to start, you know, to get in this game like what's some tips or recommend how would you how would you guide someone that's looking to take up this this sport yeah that's a great question like it doesn't have to be that hard I feel like you know when you're looking at the industry as a whole there's a high barrier for entry you need clubs you need equipment you need to know the rules you need to have a swing you need to know who to play with you need to know where to play so I think a lot of that makes it difficult but I find um, building a community, I'm building a community uh, within the people that uh, are interested in playing. I feel that that's probably the very first step. Know your tribe, like know who is going to learn with you. And if you're a person that often does everything independently, then creating like a smart plan around like smart goals around how am I going to get into the game? Very first thing, find people that are actually playing, then find recommendations because you can go to a golf pro, but a golf pro is not going to necessarily be able to teach you all the aspects of the game. They're going to work on your swing. But what you still haven't solved for is, well, who am I going to play with? And where am I playing at? And how often am I, am I playing? And what do I know about the game and the rules? And a lot of that is independent. So, you know, services like some that I offer include helping people get acclimated with the game and understanding like how to navigate that whole aspect, because that was the hardest part for me. I think the barrier to entry is so great because there's so much to learn and to understand and you don't know what's fact and what's fiction what's useful and what's not and so i really help that people vet all of the information and just go through the simple the simplest fastest path to getting on the golf course and talk about how you are because i think that's important how you are creating a space to help with you know the to help solve you know that obstacle like you said the barrier of entry how, how are you creating systems to, to, to have more people that look like you and me come into this game that can be so intimidating? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, honestly, when I look at like my, my demographic, I'm just trying to get everybody that's been disenfranchised or not able to get into the game, because if you didn't grow up playing, it's very hard to enter and start playing. So I, I have a few things that I work on. Um, it's 
monthly events through my company. So, you know, we pivoted the company. So it's not just golf that we do, but we're doing like monthly events to bring people out and help them get familiar with all of the resources that are available in the game and kind of point them to different pros and different um, courses and different driving ranges, different equipment, different tools that you could use to practice while you're in your house, just different things that allow you to start using this to build your business or just have a, a hobby. Um, the other thing, you know, I'm part of other organizations, so I'm part of the LPGA Amateurs chapter, I'm actually the president of the chapter, and that's designed to bring women to the game specifically, and that's a great way um, to also get exposure, so being part of that organization is another tool that I use to really just introduce people to the game. Um, I feel like one of the other things that doesn't often get talked about is just, look, nothing is easy. Anything you want, you have to work for, and you have to kind of take some very dis decisive steps forward and do some research. So I try to make that easier. What's the benefits of playing golf? I guess that's the question. What's the benefits of playing golf? I mean, self-awareness, number one, because you start to realize that I am a truly impatient person um, or impatient with myself, or I have very high lofty goals and expectations. So one of the things that I recognize about golf is that it teaches you how to like, navigate your own emotional ups and downs because you set these expectations and everything you put out there you know you could practice the same thing a million times at the driving range and when you go to the course it's sometimes it's impossible to replicate or repeat the same thing so it's just managing expectations I think it's important because it teaches you how to put yourself in any position and like plan strategically like how am I going to get out of this um, when you look at the game there's a lot of um, critical thinking there's a lot of mindset. There's a lot of emotional regulation and emotional intelligence. Um, there's a lot of networking, a lot of access to people that you might've normally not come in contact with and the ability to generate conversations for extended periods of time, four to five hours. So there's just relationship building. I think that there's just so much that, and there's like some health benefits because you're actually swinging the club. Um, but I think that, you know, as you're exploring why to play or why should I play? And I think a lot of people that, listen to this podcast may already play and may, may know some of these things but I'd say the thing that I took away from it personally was the mindset and the self-awareness it really taught me a lot more about myself and just how I navigate situations and interactions and even dealing with frustration and it's it's really a tool to help you improve that and, and I, it helped me really check in on my own integrity like it's between you and God this conversation this round everything is all between you and you know the divine who's really watching keeping score so tell me about everybody knows that you play golf we're on the course but tell me about the other things that you offer you know as lj that's a great question well you know it's it's funny that you asked that because you know during covid we really had to pivot our focus initially when we started the business was team building activities through golf and really teaching people how and companies how to leverage golf as a tool for building networks. Um, that, that worked for a while, but it didn't work when COVID happened because a lot of people weren't, companies weren't investing in team building as much and people weren't interacting. And a lot of companies were focused on the remote um, work environment or trying to manage and navigate what that looks like. And so we pivoted and started to expand our services and move more into just the training aspects of work. Um, coaching individuals and people and strategic planning. And the strategic planning work I find is probably the most powerful and impactful because when you think about companies, there are 
So my target market are small to medium-sized businesses with 10 to 100 employees that may not have like internal learning and development departments, um, may not necessarily have a COO in place, or they may have a management team and they're kind of looking to realign and understand, you know, where are our profit centers and how do we become more profitable and how do we really build our business and grow and scale it? And so the space there is really around helping companies grow and look at their processes. Like I come from, you know, finance and technology. So what people don't know about me is that I am a classically trained project manager. And when you're a project manager, everything is about deadline, scope, and budget. And that's all you're looking at is really managing how do, how do I keep this ship running? How do I re-engineer processes so I, I can scale and grow? And all of those sound like big words, but when you're looking at a business and a company that is, you know, in a medium size or smaller size, they're often stuck in their own way and they're often they're doing the same things and they know how to generate the revenue, but they don't know how to like create operational processes and really look at, you know, let's evaluate where our most profitable centers are and let's look at where the money is coming in and let's identify how to create a strategy around growing in that space and really leaning into that versus trying to grow spaces where we see that there's not as much progress. And so the business model, like how do I tie golf to it? I tie golf to everything, um, but not intentionally, just by way of like who I am and you know, the conversation around diversity, equity, inclusion, it's integrated because it's part of my character and who I am in general. Like a conversation is not now about rubrics and, you know, all of these things, platitudes and all these different things that you should do, but what, de what delivers results and, and when you're executing, what does success look like? So in a big words and small words, I help people plan their business. <laughs> and what made you want to do that? What made you Want to start that that arm of your business? Because I was doing it for free anyway. I mean, honestly, <laughs> when you think about all the work that you do, and I, I had to take a step back and be honest with myself, pulling ideas together and creating plans to execute them and actually giving people ta tangible steps to go forward. I've been doing that for my entire career. And I figured, you know, when you're looking at it, that's the commodity. The brain power is the commodity, not just the action and getting on you know, getting in your hands dirty and getting on, you know, just getting out there. It's more looking at, well, how do we get there? And I feel like the, the brain trust, people are paying me to think. And so I need to continue to actually capitalize on that part. And that, that's really where the pivot came because we were doing the work for free. Was it a moment though that you said, okay, LJ, I need to start this business because was it, were you talking to a company or a friend or you saw you know, place in the marketplace that you needed to be? Like, was there something pivotal that happened that drew you to this? I mean, you know, the ones that I can share legally and the ones that I can't share, um, there are, there were, you know, when you look at your life, there are moments where like God places something in you and you keep ignoring it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that, that thing, that thing. But 10 years ago was when the idea for N18 started. And I work with individual clients just one-on-one. -on -one. So like, you know, had a COO, CIO hire me um, to help him get into golf. And I had, you know, these individual people. And I talked to a friend who was, um, you know, at, in one of these MBA programs. He said, you can't scale that. You can't replicate you. And, I, and so, so for 10 years, I kind of really was thinking about like, he's right. This is cool, but I'm spending extensive amount of time with one person and it makes money. And I guess I could cap like 
30 clients and that would pay my bills. But is that good for my health? Is that good for me? So I think I've spent the last few years just thinking about it, looking at it, doing it, but then not doing it. And then, you know, there was this, this rift in the world of mine, the financial world, where I realized that I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is not for me. I don't see my life behind a desk. I don't see my life sitting here trying to justify projects of, of things that I don't care about. I was in financial services. I did not feel like making them more money. I, there were just so many things happening in my head. And I started to think about like my life purpose. Like what, what value do I add to this world if I'm sitting here re-engineering legal billing platforms for people that could care, couldn't care less if I breathe or not breathe? Right, exactly. <laughs> like listen or sleep time, who cares? So that's really what happened. I was sitting there thinking like, you've got all these skills. You work super hard. Does anyone care? Probably not. And in the end, when it's all said and done, who cares? And there are things that were happening along the way. Like there was this woman, I'll never forget her name. Her name is Jamie Matlack. And I worked with her. She was like one of the managing directors. I think we were still at Barclays at the time. She had cancer, breast cancer. She had went through her like treatment, radiation, all that, and came back to work. And I was just thinking like, is this what life is? And, you know, she didn't have kids, but she was married, but she was back at work. And when I say back at work, I mean, working very hard. And I'm like, ma'am, you need to take a break. And even at 20 something, I knew that that's just not who I want to be in life. And I don't want to feel like this is what I have to do to, to live. And I, I just want more satisfaction. Like, honestly, like getting up to go to a job and to be miserable or even be satisfied in the work that you're doing, but not feel like it's connected to a purpose or a greater life. That was important to me. And the money, like the money was good. I'm not going to lie. But at some point you're like, oh, but what's it worth? Yeah. And life is too short. Yeah. Exactly. And we saw with the coronavirus, like, hey, we don't have time to play because Rona said, sit down. Right, right. Take several seats. She Take said, she'll seats. sit you down or she'll lay you down. And I didn't want the second option. I didn't, I didn't want to. <laughs> and then to be even, to even think about it this way, to be on your deathbed and think about all the things that you never did, all the dreams that go unfulfilled or all the things that you should have just tried, but never put any effort towards. And so this woman ended up passing away. And I just remember just thinking, you know, maybe not even eight months after she had come back to work. So shortly after she, she didn't, live much longer after that and I think that that kind of resonated with me a lot but you know obviously just being observant and, and and honoring the fact that life is short and precious but then also looking at the fact that like look if I really had to go back to that field the brains are still there for the most part um and we could go back if we needed to but I'd say just taking that leap and you said look I'm gonna give it all I got because that was a wake-up call for you that was a wake up call, but like the real, the, I think the real moment was I was at this job. I had worked on this really complicated project, implemented it. And I felt like it was such a thankless um, after effect. Like it felt good to accomplish it and complete the project. But then after, I just felt like I, I, the sense of satisfaction was just not there. And, and I said, you know, for, for all of the time and effort and compromises I made to make sure that this project was completed, I don't feel the personal satisfaction from it. And I think that that was really what was pivotal. And the people were, were not so nice. So, you know, when you work with not nice people, it makes it real easy to say, you know, I don't need this. You're like, goodbye. But let's talk about some of your successes since you've <laughs> jumped out there and 
you know, leaped out there and started this business. Talk about some of the people you've helped and companies that you've helped so, so far. Well, I'm not going to name drop, but I'd say like, when I look at like the scenarios and the people, I have this one client, um, you know, she's like, I just need to get into the game. Just show me how to play. Just show, just show me what you have. And what I love about her is she reminds me of why I started this, like where it started from. Um, and, you know, she's an entrepreneur. And when I think about just like watching her grow in the game and get excited, she's like, I'm going to get clubs. I've decided that this is what I want to do. And just seeing that and knowing wow. that she is really capitalizing on this experience to get her access to people, because once she's in a room, she can work a room. And so just seeing that, I think it is very exciting when it comes to the strategic planning, you know, there's a project that I'm on right now and the, the implementation of it is really tied to a lot of um, financial literacy and work. And, I, and I'm excited to have been able to build out a training platform around financial literacy for that platform that really impacts the, the outcomes of people improving their credit score, I mean, credit score, teaching them how to save. And like just um, today, there was a report that a majority of Americans do not have $1,000 in their savings account for an emergency. Whoa. And if they had to handle an emergency, they would most likely put it on credit literally today. And Why don't they teach this in schools though? Come on, they teach home ec, but you don't you teach financial literacy. Message? Can you preach a whole message? Because I think what people don't share, the unsexy, the not so cute part about being an entrepreneur, there are lulls. There are times where you're not going to have, you know, income coming in all the time because maybe you've not built out your client pipeline. And that's one of the things that I think that I didn't learn as, a, as an entrepreneur in the beginning, like understanding how are you managing your cash flow, but how are you also generating cash flow so that there's always consistent deals in the pipeline. And, and people don't talk about that. Like you start your business. I'm excited about my little rhinestone business or whatever it's going to be. Do you have a, a series of clients? Or are you going to start this business and now you need to sell? So that pre-sale, like when you see people pre-selling, that is building up the demand so that you can start to pay bills. And I think that that's something, you know, they don't teach financial literacy, but they don't also teach the, the concepts of how to implement supply and demand or how to really look at it as an entrepreneur. And that it's not easy. Like I'm going to start this t-shirt line. Cool. Who's buying them? Are you going to start it, show it, and then think people are going to buy it? You're going to be out of business and you're going to run out of money. And, and they don't talk. They don't teach us that. They don't teach us that. Well, that's why I need LJ. Hey, that's what I need. Me. That's, what <laughs> that's why. That is why. Because I'll tell you, if there's anything, anyone that's listening, that's thinking about starting a business, you need to build your runway. And that, that means save money. I mean, when I say stack money, it's not about saving the money to invest in the business specifically. It's about being able to save the money so that you can pay your regular bills so you can focus on the business and not worry about how am I going to get by. And while I am full of faith, crazy faith, like I'm listening to this um, Transformation Church every now and then, and he talks about crazy faith. Um, but crazy faith doesn't just wake up and pay your bills. Like maybe it does. It does. But you have to take some kind of proaction, like some type of proactive step, excuse me. And I feel like what I don't think people are often prepared for is the time that it takes to get your business to ramp up might be a year, it might be two years before you have consistent steady revenue. You might have something that goes viral and then it drops off. It's like that first album sale. Somebody releases that album, you know, everybody loves it. And then their second release, you're like, oh. What that sophomore, what do they call it? A sophomore, sophomore slump? Yeah, sophomore yeah. slump. Well, the same thing happens in your business. You might be like super excited. 
selling a lot and then you have to keep it going and that's what we don't necessarily learn as a skill because unless you're coming from a family of entrepreneurs I, I think it's it takes a lot of research and a, a lot of mentorship to, to get that right so I and they just gotta call all over one. the place just now no, no, I got it. You weren't all over the place. I mean, that's why they need your services to kind of keep them on track and how to build and expand their business, right? Um, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? You know what? That's a that's a good question. I mean, there are a lot of things. The ability to travel and being able to go out and travel, um, being able to kind of make my family proud. I think that that, that keeps me going. Um, being able to surround myself with amazing people like yourself and just continuing to like, every level that I feel like I've grown, there've been new things that open up to me. And I feel like when my eyes are open, I see more and things could be right in front of me all, all along. But I think that the more that we grow and learn about ourselves and learn about just doing things and just start to trust ourselves, that I'm just excited about the discovery and the exploration. So it keeps me going that there's another level, there's always more. and. I, and I don't know what it is. And I'm excited because there's so many heights that we're going to reach and I have no idea what they are. The uncertainty, I guess. I like that. Where are we taking the business now? What are your, where, where, what's the landscape in 2022? Where, where are we taking the company? What, what's your plans for IN18? Yeah, yeah. So like, okay. So I, I have to say like, that is definitely a fun branding challenge, right? So IN18, right? It's really in 18. And what happens is, Everyone says that. So I'm like, dang, when I see it, I see N18, but everyone says IN18. But I love to tell the story that, you know, the name of the company is in 18 holes, you'll learn everything you need to know about a person. And so literally you're spending five hours. If you're trying to build a relationship, trying to get to know someone, trying to get to know yourself, five hours alone is enough time for you to kind of Oh, we're going to learn everything about one another. Everything. Because you could fake it and you can bring your persona or bring your representative out for about an hour. But uh -oh. unless you're like a sociopath, I don't know who can maintain <laughs> it for like five hours. No, that's a long time to maintain it. It's going to come up. It's going to come out. Oh, you're exactly. going to see You're going to see it. You can see peaks of it, you know, throughout the right. game. No, I love exactly. that. In the 18 holes, you'll learn everything you need to know about someone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's really like the basis for the name. And so even the logo itself, like my cousin, shout out to Trev, he created that logo. And it's really like a golf ball, but not a golf ball. And really, when we were looking at, you know, just the conversation around the golf and just in life is really about looking at a finite amount of time to learn about your business, learn about yourself, learn about everything. So the play on words, the N18 is really tied to the golf. But in the end, it's really about looking at yourself and and seeing everything full circle what would you be without golf i don't know i don't know who lj would be without golf and how it's really transformed your life you know what that's a that's an excellent question i think that's what made me kind of want to share it so much right when we have those things that impact our lives it's it feels like a crime to to not share it it's almost like to have all this knowledge to have all these resources and not make it available to other people that that seems like disrespectful that God gave you a gift and then you keep it to yourself. And so I felt like, you know, who was that? Who am I without it? Well, I mean, I'm this really techie person that is super nerdy, um, likes a lot of, you know, time management, self-improvement books. <laughs> I like to travel. 
who am I without it? I'm a, a woman of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't have any hobbies though. I, I try to play chess, but I'm not that good. <laughs> I don't really have any hobbies. The I'm sport really needs you and you need the sport. I need no, it. Right? Literally, no, literally the golf needs you. I mean, we don't see a lot of black women. We don't see a lot of pretty black women, smart black women on the course. So we need you. Golf needs you. So I think it's important that, you know, that you have that you have in 18 and that you're teaching people. And I will say, like, I was intimidated, you know, by golf. I mean, but by, by going with you, I went, you know, to, you know, practice with you uh, on the drive. It, it, and I was comfortable because, I don't know, you just made me feel comfortable. I've I was retaining what you were telling me and I feel like I can go, you know, alone, like the next time, like, so I thank you for exposing me and I, I want to, I can't wait to go play maybe 18 holes uh, with you, but oh, it, you got may, you. I got you. We are ready for the season. And, you know, honestly that like for, for the events that we do, that's the goal. Like we want people to feel like they can do this on their own, that they can build their community. Like it's not, the goal is not to have you, feel like you have to be with me. The goal is to teach you how to find your own voice in, in this game. And, and I definitely felt like, oh, I felt comfortable in this space. And like I said, I, I felt I felt like I could show up as me in the space. And I, I don't think I would have had that experience if I had it not been for, you know, for your, your golf clinic. So thank you so much. And thank you for allowing me to uh, talk to you on the first season of season three of the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I think, you know what, I'm going to use this time to just pivot ever so slightly. Now, I think audience, if you're listening, you don't know Darius, but he's actually a producer. So he does this all the time. So getting advice from him is just an honor in general. And I think one of the things I'd love to talk about is you tell us about how like you got into the work that you do. Well, one, tell us what you do and then how you even got into this line of work. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, now we're changing the tables. I thought I was going to be here today. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I am, I work, I started my career uh, in media uh, over 20 years ago at, at ABC News and then at the, at the network level. Um, and then I developed a show there, an entertainment show while I was at the network and then made a pivot into entertainment and my foray into entertainment, did some work out in LA um, and then came back to New York, maybe like around seven years ago to uh, be a producer at a show called Extra, an entertainment show and won an Emmy. I was so thankful for that. And now I am still in entertainment, but kind of, you know, using inter entertainment to create social change. I'm the director of talent and partnerships uh, for entertainment advertising studio called Harley and Co. Um, and we created this amazing uh, podcast during the pandemic. I started off consulting with them and then I moved over and I've been full-time with them uh, over a year now, but we, we won a Clio award and uh, I will urge your listeners to, to check out the being seen podcast. Uh, we're actually in season three as well. Uh, and we're launching season four. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. So uh, yeah, I'm a producer, a creative. So I'm so honored to be with you today. And this is medicine for your listeners. Hey, if you have an idea or you've been thinking about playing golf, then this is your podcast and LJ is your woman. If this is your first time listening to Tease Me, then you don't know that we missed a very important part of the conversation. What was my favorite golf memory? My favorite golf memory was playing at Old Head in Ireland 
with the ladies group, LPGA Amateurs New York City. Shout out to them. And we took this destination trip to Ireland and we played all over the country. We had also went to Scotland the year before, but Ireland and Old Head was my favorite. This course is positioned on top of a mountain and it's isolated. It's actually like an island and it was pouring rain and the rain was coming down from left to right. And I just knew that I was going to get blown off the little island. But it was my favorite memory because it was so picturesque. And I got to use all of my rain gear, every single piece. So that's a memory I will never forget. Um, Another memory I have was playing in Barcelona, Spain. I was on this group tour in Spain. and We were traveling all through Spain. And I left the group to go play golf by myself. And they put me as a single. But there was a threesome behind me. And I waited for them so that I could play with them. And I asked, do you mind if I play with you? And they said yes. And these guys were amazing, three guys from Sweden. And we had the most outstanding time. And when I think about the grace and the goodness of God and golf and all of it together, it allows you to be in the same space with people that you don't know and have a time, a great time, as if you've known each other for years. Five hours is a long time. And we even stopped and had lunch. Um, Their wives joined. It was just an amazing (laughs) excursion for me. One of my goals this year is to play more golf domestically. If I travel, I always try to find a golf course. And so that's left me with some amazing memories. And I always leave my friends to go play or whoever I'm vacationing with because that's what I'm going to do. So whether we were in Thailand or when I was in Dubai or when I was in Barbados, I will leave you at the beach to go and play golf because that's where I'd rather be. But I've not played enough domestically. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're in a state that has epic golf, yeah, DM me. Let's talk about setting up a round because I've not done enough of that. Tri-state golf is very limited. So with that, we're going to bring this episode to a close. This was a little bit of a teaser. It gives you a little taste of me and a little bit of what we're going to do for this season, focus on entrepreneurs. So I hope you enjoyed it. It's a little shorter than usual, but I think you get the point, and that's all we were trying to do. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Tease Me.